Welcome to the Dad Ass Podcast, the subpar, mediocre at best podcast about being a new dad. Hey, hey, and welcome to the Dad Ass Podcast, a completely unscripted, unconventional podcast just trying to figure out this whole parenting and adulting thing. Me, I'm Matt, the guy that created a podcast just to call himself a dad ass, and next to me is a sweet piece of man ass, Sean, aka Dude, the resident family counselor. Sir, how are you doing? I'm great. Um, I'm not sure why I said <laughs> sweet. Um, because you like to objectify me, and it's fine. I'm beautiful. <laughs> I know it. It's fine. I'm okay with it. Um, I'm just the guy who bought a bunch of booze, put them in his basement so he could have friends. So, And know. I haven't left since. Yeah, I've tried so many times. Like, I thought you had a family to go home to, man. You're like, get out of here. Yeah. We're done recording. <laughs> Leave. Um, no, for real. Uh, how, how's, your, uh, how's your week been? Outside of the fact that Heather and I were up for two hours on and off with someone crying last night, um, we're doing really well. How about you? Uh, pretty good. Pretty good. Um, you know, I don't have a, a crying child in my house, but I don't know. It's been a little while. I've, I've been, I go through like periods of good sleep and periods of not good sleep. Um, oh, I bet. Yeah. I had, I had weird dreams last night, like not bad dreams, but just like you ever have those dreams where like you wake up and you're like, what was that? I've had a couple of those recently and yeah. that's what I get for watching the news before bed. Oh yeah. No, mine wasn't that or okay. anything. Mine, I like dreamt that like I was hanging out with uh, a couple of guys I know um, and we were like walking around campus and um, had consumed quite a bit of uh, something. I don't know. Th- that part was left out. Uh, you know, some f- some form of booze. And we, like, wandered into a house, and I was like, man, we shouldn't be in here. And then he, like, one, one of my buddies, like, wandered down into the basement, and then you heard, like, this big, loud crash noise. And he came, like, running upstairs, and then the next thing you know, like, this big, huge, like, again, this is all a dream, uh, like, college, huge college football player guy. Um, came like running up after him and punched him in the face. And then um, I was like, whoa, whoa, we should all just be friends. We'll clean it up. And apparently like he went down in my dream, like went down into the basement where they kept all like their like, it's probably thinking about the speakeasy to be honest. And he like knocked all their booze over and stuff. And like, I don't know, all their CDs, which was weird. Um, What's a CD? Yeah. <laughs> Um, but there, but then like flash forward to like my one buddy, um, laying on the couch with like a black eye, but then we're all like hanging out and drinking and laughing like the same guy that punched him in the face. And Kimberly this morning was like, what did you dream about last night? And I was like, I had weird dreams. Why? And she was like, because in the middle of the night, you just randomly yelled, whoa, that's a big dude. (laughs) And then, (laughs) and then. And then she said, I was going to wake you up because sometimes I, I need her to like wake me up. I, I, I have nightmares and and different stuff and uh, I'll need her to wake me up. But she was like, I was going to wake you up. And then you were just like right back to sleep. And I was like, I can fully explain why I, <laughs> I yelled that in the middle of the night. So um, I was listening, but all I took from that was that you had a dream and yelled out big dude. Yeah. And you were in the basement with a big dude. Whoa, that's, that's, that's a big dude. That's yeah, all I that's all yeah. I took from that from that story. Well, you know. 
<laughs> it's interesting <laughs> to, to what summarize. you what you really pick up on though. Like it's very interesting what you know what your little ears hone in on. I'm I'm lying. Your ears aren't little. They're actually quite large. They're huge. They're like yeah. satellites. Yeah. So <laughs> your bald head makes them bigger too. Thank God you have over the ear headphones. Right. It's it true. Covers those suckers up. That's why I hide behind this. So then in the screen, no one can see like my full face when we're actually recording. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm really excited for for this episode. Um, I always say that when I'm about to introduce someone that comes on. But what makes our guest today? Um, even more special is that it is someone who follows us on Instagram and has listened to our podcast and reached out to share his story. Yeah. And, and, you know, from the beginning, you've sort of said, uh, our goal has been, um, we wanted to make a podcast of substance, um, to really talk about, uh, real things. I mean, do fun things, right? We've gone to distilleries and breweries and all that sort of stuff. Um, but at its core, we've always wanted to engage people in, in conversation and thought. And um, I'm really excited because I really think that this is going to be one of those opportunities for us to do just that. So this is, um, I think, going to be definitely on the more serious side of things. Certainly. Um, but I think it's going to be a really, really awesome conversation. Absolutely. Now, um, as as I introduce uh, Matt Bryson, I'm not going to read everything from your bio because I, I want you to be able to um, to share. But you are a father of two who served in the Marine Corps, enlisted and as an officer for eight and a half years. Um, you, though, have uh, unfortunately lost a child, um, which I'll I'll let you talk about later. I'll I'll, I'll stop there. And you've also overcome. Um, PTSD and sleep and anger issues and you reached out to say that you wanted to share that story we're like-minded and wanting to help others overcome burdens in our lives just like what you were saying for the mission for our podcast and and Matt you um, now are currently um, a supportive and educational father that you know set your uh, children up for success and support their future dreams, and you're also working as a project manager um, over in PA. Um, welcome, 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 and thank you for reaching out to us uh, on on the social medias. Yeah, thanks, guys. I, I'm excited for the opportunity to share my story and uh, help you guys out, and and hopefully reach out and. Maybe somebody's listening or, or, you know, following and maybe my story will inspire some change or, you know, some ways to deal with some of the stuff. So I'm glad to be here. Well, we're, we're glad you're here. Um, so you've already heard us kind of introduce the podcast and how this guy's thinking about a big, big football dude in a basement. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think the best way for us to kind of kick off this conversation <laughs> is to uh, start with a dad joke. Yeah. Uh, so this isn't like a question and answer dad joke. It's just kind of like a funny thing that I ran by, you know, on social media. So uh, my sexy neighbor told me her underwear keeps going missing from her clothesline and that she's going to call and report it to the police. And I almost pooped her pants. <laughs> <laughs> I've not heard that one. <laughs> Oh, oh, that I had to read. I had to read it a couple of times, and I was like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> like, like it took me a minute. Like that's that's a good one. Like if you know someone, 
Yeah. Yeah. Maybe don't say, pull that at the office. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah HR. Right. Hashtag no HR. Um, yeah. But what's great about that is if delivered in in people in in company of people you know, that <laughs> yes. would be priceless. Oh, we yeah, we just met. That probably would just be like, <laughs> shoot, we should have vetted more. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love that one. That's I, a great one. I I heard another one. Um, not. <laughs> It's not gonna. Uh, it, they're it not on the poop not or, on the same plane. Cooper, a sexy name. No. But where are we going with this? And I'm curious. No. It was uh, so. Um, you know the Black Eyed Peas, the musical group. Yeah. Um, so the Black Eyed Peas will sing you a tune. Um, the chickpeas can only hummus one. <laughs> I get it. Hummus, Chickpeas, hummus. Chick, yeah, I get yeah. it. Yeah. Nice. yeah, his was <laughs> his was out. His, his was, was up here. Yeah, yeah. Yours was down here yeah. off screen. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> so, um, what's what's a lot better than fine is the fact that we had the opportunity ahead of time to learn your signature cocktail, Matt. I was stoked and, about this, and Sean made it. Um, I don't think we've made a cocktail before from a guest. I don't think so either. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, so yeah. you're actually you're you're the first person that actually knew ahead of time what your cocktail was, and we had a chance to make it. So will you will you share with us and those listening, um, what your your drink of choice is? Yeah. So you know, after a hard day or even a good day, um, I start out with um, a couple shots of wild turkey honey, a um, little bit of bitters. Oh, um, I have a question on the bitters piece. Yeah. Um, what bitters? So I used Angostura bitters because that's what I had. Well, I mean, I have a ton, but that's a that's a. It's a uh, Peshods. Peshods, yeah. Peshods, yeah, yeah. Okay, Peshods. Oh, he's nodding. So that's... yeah, I have that. I did not. Okay. Use, I I used a different bitter, so ours doesn't taste quite the same. But you oh, know. we're almost yeah, there. I'm not a bitter expert, so that's basically like the only bitter. I described the first bitters that I saw at the at the ABC store. So, <laughs> so bitters, a um, couple maraschino cherries in there because I like that you know that syrupy taste. A um, little bit of like a maybe a half a teaspoon or a teaspoon of brown sugar. Um, I do like a real instead of like a. Um, the peel of an orange, like in an, a, you know, like a typical old fashioned, I like to do an orange slice, mm-hmm. a really thin one, throw that in the bottom of the cup, put everything else on top of it, uh, fill it up with ice and then put a little bit of uh, like soda water or just a little bit of water in there to fill it up a little bit and stir it up. All right. Fairly, fairly sweet drink, as I think you guys have uh, mentioned that when you tried it, but. No, it's good, though. Like you were talking about, uh, you enjoyed the the sort of uh, syrupy, like sort There's of mouthfeel to it. Absolutely, like yeah. a thicker than a, a a traditional old fashioned um, thickness to to the liquid uh, because of the honey. Yeah, yeah. So I don't. Um, it's not that I don't like it or anything. I just, I, I guess I was unaware of the gap in my kind of massive collection as I'm looking at. It. Um, all of it. I actually didn't have any um, honey whiskey at all. Um, so I asked Matt and we did not have wild turkey. We had uh, Evan Williams. Evan Williams. 
So what I did um, for my sort of variation on your variation of an old fashioned, um, we took three ounces of um, the same Evan Williams honey and then three ounces of um, unsweetened almond milk. And then um, two dashes of Angostura bitters. Um, an eighth an ounce of um, just simple syrup and um, a, a, a dropper full of um, Woodford Reserve uh, cherry bitters as well and um, sliced an orange thin, um, put it up on the side and then instead of maraschino cherries, um, uh, we used, I used Luxardo cherries, which I don't know if you've ever had a Luxardo cherry or not. No. They're like, they're, they're stupid expensive for what they are, <laughs> but they're very, very good. Um, and it's like, um, they're a, a much darker color, um, cherry. They, um, yeah, it's a thicker syrup that it sits uh, you in. You wouldn't be able to see that, I don't um, think. But it's pretty dark. But yeah, so um, yeah, so it's it's we're not. I was, we were talking it's, earlier. This is not like a who did it better or anything. This is like an apples and orange sort of situation. Um, there's similar components to it. Um, you know, neither one of them are actually terribly complex. I um, stirred yours, like you said, and then this one I actually shook, and then we poured okay. the whole thing over ice. What what I like about yours. Is if I was sitting out for a yours long, being oh Matt's. sorry uh, Matt's yeah no one yeah. knows that I'm looking at the the computer. <laughs> what I like about yours is um, unlike some uh, old fashions that kind of burn. Yours is so smooth that if you were actually having a long night out at the fire, hanging out with the guys, um, oh. you could toss back a few of those. Oh, easily like juice. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and oh yeah. Also it's with it dangerous. With, yeah, exactly. And, and <laughs> it doesn't have that burn, like yeah. just straight bourbon would have, uh, mm -hmm. excuse me, in a, a traditional old fashioned. So it's great. And it's nice to have two comparisons and it's nice to finally have someone virtual that we could share the drink with. Yeah. The only other person I was think, trying to think of this, the only other person that we've shared the same <gasps> drink with, um, yes. was Chris, uh, Chris, Chris in England, in England. Um, we, and we oh, shared wow. scotch together. We had, we had an officer from um, from uh, Britain on. He walked barefoot 700 miles across wow. Britain to raise awareness for a disease that his daughter has and is fighting. Um, so actually, we've had two yeah. two lieutenants. Cool. I think he was a lieutenant I too. Think so so too. And so you're our second lieutenant. So now it's awesome. It's the military people. They're coming prepared. Yeah. See, semper. Yeah. I'm a coast. Um, I was in the coast guard, like I told you. So semper paratus, yeah. so always ready. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So uh, this this is awesome. So we're sharing a drink. You reached out to us. Here we are. So let me let's let's start by saying um, from a little bit of what I said, and I didn't want to say everything from from your bio as to to take from your story. Maybe set kind of the the tone for those that are listening, kind of where where you were and have been, so that we can then talk about together where you've. Bec uh, where you've come uh, today as a dad, as a man, a full circle. Yeah, sure. Um, so like you said, I served in the military for qu quite a while. 
Um, nearing, you know, my end of service, um, we, you know, found out we were going to have a third child, um, got out of the military, actually moved a long ways from our families, uh, from North Carolina up to Pennsylvania, um, you know, for work, of course, um, because I asked to pay the bills. Um, so then found out, you know, when our son was born that, uh, you know, he's going to have like a chromosome issue. He was going to need like a feeding pump and stuff. I'm like, okay, that's, that's easily, um, you know, um, easy enough to figure out, you know, some of that stuff. Um, when he was two years old, basically around his birthday, you know, in the summertime, um, he's just kind of acting funny and, and just was like not looking well. So when we got back home from our vacation that we were on, uh, he had like 103 fever, Mm. took him to the hospital. They're like, Oh man, like something's going on. They did a, a scan, like a full body scan immediately. And they were like the next morning, you know, we were sitting there waiting and they're like, well, he has like a, you know, a racquetball sized tumor in his brain and we have to do like immediate brain surgery. Mm. So that, you know, that was like the worst thing you could probably ever hear as a parent. Like, you know, you don't want your kids to break an arm, you know, or break a finger or something like that. You don't want anything to happen to them to hear something like that. It's just, it's just like breaks your heart, you know? Can I ask you a a, a personal question? Um, Yeah. Honest answer. What was your immediate reaction? I don't necessarily like, I mean, I'm thinking more in general terms of like, yeah, was it like fear? Was it anger? Was it like scared? I'm just like, I'm curious. I think it was um, scared and confused. Like, what does that mean? You know, mm-hmm. like what what's the long term going to be? How are we going to deal with this? Because, you know, at the same time. Uh, we had two other children and it's like, okay, well, how are the children or, you know, how are his brother and sister going to deal with it? Mm-hmm. You know, like, how are we going to, you know, how is life going? It's basically like everything else blurred out around us, like work, family, everything like kind of disappeared. And it was just confusion and, and like just being really scared. Like, you know, what do we do? Yeah. That was kind of like, I think the initial reaction, if I, you know, if I think mm. back, it was probably just a mixture of tons of different emotions, you know? Yeah. I, I, I asked that cause you know, I have a, a personal connection. Um, not mm-hmm. as you know, I, I've had cancer. Um, and the best way that I can sort of think about it when I, or explain it when I think about it is, I don't know if you've ever seen in movies, um, they do this weird thing with the camera in a dramatic moment where like the camera like zooms it's weird the camera gets closer to the person while it also zooms out at the same time and everything like it's mm. this real distorting do, yeah. do you know what i'm talking about yeah. I, I i'm visualizing <clears throat> exactly what you're talking about yeah, yeah and that was my personal experience i mean granted that's also very very different i don't mean that as a comparison to yours but just oh, no. as like a sort of uh, commonality or a connection piece. Um, that's, that's like the only way that I could sort of describe it was just this like disorienting, like, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't understand. Yeah. I, I think I agree. It's like, it's like a focusing in on what's important and everything else is kind of like that. Everything else around is, is kind of focusing out. Yeah. You no, know? that's yeah. kind of like how I'm thinking about it. 
Yeah. Um, so like at the same, you know, during that time I was like working night shift, um, you know, very like, I don't know, like two years out of the, out of the military, um, trend, you know, just trying to get through that transition from military to civilian, which is already tough mm-hmm. around civilians after being in the Marines for so long, uh, and working night shift, working long hours and stuff and having this all happen at the same time. Yeah. Uh, so you just imagine that, you know, I was already having sleep issues cause I have back issues and stuff like that from the Marines as well. Uh, so I wasn't getting a lot of sleep I, and I, you know, obviously a lot of the emotional stuff was going on with my son and, you know, just trying to keep marriage together and trying to keep my other kids happy and, you know, kind of like upbeat, you know, as much as we could and try to, you know, keep life going as, as easy as we could for them, you know, as normal as we could. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, and I think it just heightened whatever I said wasn't PTSD at the time and basically just brought that to the forefront. I, I know that I, I was very like easy to upset. I mean, you could probably tell from my body language. I had people tell me they're like, you know, you sit at the front of your seat all the time. Like you don't sit back and relax. You're always like with your hands on your knees, like ready to just jump or move. And I didn't really notice that. Um, until, you know, I signed myself up to, you know, get some counseling through the VA and just kind of have somebody third party to talk to during that time and just realize kind of like where I was at the moment. Um, and then so ju- to jump back into my son's story. So, he, you know, he, we had the brain surgery uh, that went OK. Um, they ended up like cutting some nerves in his neck, you know, well, in his brain that kind of went into the right side of his neck. So he ended up having to have a trach put in, um, with the feeding tube and with everything else that was going on. So. Which, uh, for those that don't know, a, a, a trach is a small incision, just right. Yeah. Right. Basically, um, in a special part of your Adam's apple, um, that, uh, you put a a breathing tube in. Yeah. Um, Sorry to interrupt, but just it, no, no, in case that's fine. Is, is unaware. Good clarification. Yeah. yeah. Um, so then, you know, with that being on a vent, um, and I think we were in the hospital, the, the whole period was, God, it must have been six or eight months straight mm-hmm. living in the hospital, going back and forth, ended up moving closer to the hospital so we could just, you know, kind of be like we could walk over there if we wanted to. Uh, not great living, you know, our kids shared a room. Uh, he finally got to come home after a while, um, but on 24 hour nursing support. So we had nurses living in our house overnight. And then when those nurses would call off or, or, you know, couldn't show up to their shift or something, we would have to do it ourselves. So we would have to, my wife at the time uh, would have to get up and, you know, we would just do like four hour shifts or something. And we, you have to be there with them constantly to watch their oxygen monitors, you know, and, and clean their trach out, you know, all this medical stuff that you get trained to do if you want to take your kid home with all this type of stuff. Um, so those, you know, just 
that on on top of your normal daily life that basically puts everything else you have on hold and you're basically a live-in nurse yeah. not just a parent mm. um so it's just you know a combination of all that stuff like was basically just driving me over the edge personally mm-hmm. um yeah so after you know, we got him back basically enrolled in, in some school and he was going to school, our son Cooper who passed away. Um, he was going back to school and kind of, you know, hanging out with some kids that were kind of like him and, uh, it was getting back to normal. And then probably six months later, I think after he came home, uh, we do like quarterly scans. If you've had those type of things and like Mm -hmm. MRIs and they came back and they're like, Hey, um, it's everywhere now. Like it's down his spine, uh, in his brain again, it's coming back and it's terminal. Like we can't do anything. And that was like, just, you can't imagine like, you know, hearing that you have these limited months, mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, sectioned out. Um, so yeah, about six months later he passed and it'll be five years, uh, next month. Mm. Oh, yeah. So rough. I don't talk about it very much. So it's a little, little weird, (laughs) but, um, so yeah. And at that point, uh, yeah, just a lot of stuff, you know, kind of came up from my past and, and, you know, the military stuff and the PTSD and the sleep and it's kind of, everything is kind of, I was not fun to talk to. Um, just angry all the time, obviously from everything and, and, you know, some stuff in the past as well, I'm sure just kind of pulling it all together. Um, and then I, I think what's helpful to know is like, it, it's very cliche to say this, but when you go through those things, you find out who is there for you, mm-hmm. who your friends are and who your friends aren't and who, actually cares and and who maybe doesn't care as much or maybe they weren't your friends until like hard times come by and it's like a little bit too much for them to handle. So you don't see them very much, you know, after that. So I think that kind of helped me realize that like, Hey, like you're up here. You don't have a lot of family close. Um, You have to take care of yourself in order to take care of your kids that are still here. Mm -hmm. And if you're not taking care of yourself, there's no way you can take care of anybody else. Mm -hmm. I said, I was going to the VA and, and, you know, and talking through that. And I did that for, you know, probably another six months, like once a week or once every couple of weeks. And I started, you know, feeling a little bit better. I could get some of these feelings out and stuff like that. Uh, Started focusing on my health and like what I was eating. I was like, I got to get off this night shift. So I found a great day shift job great company and a great culture, um, that I've been with for what, four and a half, five years now. And, you know, just started focusing on the important things and, and, and just trying to get myself back to a better place. Um, and now I feel like, you know, I have my moments with, you know, like I picked my days to be sad. Mm-hmm. Um, so it doesn't overwhelm, you know, the whole, the whole year, you know, months at a time. Um, but yeah, like, I hope that answers some of your 
previous questions, but, uh, I have so much that I'm feeling in my heart that I want to say, but the only thing that I want to say, and, and I'm, I'm hoping that you have, have something to say after is just thank you. Yeah. Um, for sharing. Um, uh, I can't imagine the pain and what it feels like or how it is to share something that you don't openly share with others, but to reach out and share that with us and for anyone listening. So I just want to say thank you first off for, um, your vulnerability and wanting Mm -hmm. to share. So others who might be experiencing the same can, um, take something that they've heard or felt from, from your story. Um, thank you. I, I need a second to process. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I think just talk, I, I kind of had to stop myself there cause I was, I felt I was going to like wrap myself around the own, my own axle and just start, you know, repeating stuff I've said because I kind of just went internal a little bit while I was talking about it. So yeah, Sean, what were you going to say? I very much appreciate um, the raw and honest, you know, conversation that we, that you've, or that we're having in the story that you sort of shared. And, um, you know, it, it reminds me of a couple of things. Um, one is, and this is a phrase that I, I have said time and time again on here. I say it in my um, actual life, not just my podcast life, but, um, it's okay to not be okay. And, um, I commend you for, um, doing what I think is probably one of the most, um, difficult things, um, which is, you know, recognizing things aren't okay and and finding a way to sort of have a conversation about it and, um, to seek help and guidance and, and those sorts of things. Um, and you know, I can't speak from, um, a firsthand sort of, um, like I can't speak from a veteran's, uh, perspective because I, I did not, um, serve our country. Um, I, I did work as uh, a paramedic and I, you know, I gained my, uh, my certificate or, you know, as a firefighter. Um, and so I've been around, um, careers and individuals that, there's certainly some similarities to, you know, fire service and EMS Mm -hmm. and, and all that sort of stuff. Um, but one of the things that I think, um, why I think this story is so important is, um, you are coming at it from a place, um, where again, stereotypically, not everyone, but stereotypically, um, I feel like, um, individuals who are in careers like the military or fire or EMS, um, there is a like buck up, shut up. We don't talk Mm -hmm. about weakness. We don't like, you know, you put your head down, you do your job and you're fine. Um, and that's not true. And, and so the thing that is so, um, powerful and that I want to commend you on is, um, identifying as like, Hey, this was, you know, I was a part of that community and, um, it doesn't make you weak. It just makes you a human being. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and you know, 
life has this sort of funny way of, um, just to be blunt, like throwing shit sometimes. Mm -hmm. Um, and you had alluded to the fact of like, you know, you started to figure out some, you know, genuine connections in your relationships and those sorts of, of things. And, um, you know, I think going back, kind of going off of another cliche too, is that like, it's not about like when you fall (laughs) or how many times you fall. It's literally what Mm -hmm. happens when you get back up. Um, I used to say something during that time, uh, when, when everything was going on and some of my friends were like, dude, like whenever we see you, you're like a happy person. Like we don't understand like how you can be happy with all of the stuff that you've went through and like your son and everything. And like during all that time and even after now, like, we don't get it. I'm like, well, and I used to say this thing and it's, it might sound stupid, but it's like, well, when it rains, it pours, you either got to get used to running in the rain or you have to get your, um, like a monstrous umbrella. Like you have to get a bigger umbrella to, to get it away or just be fine with running in the rain and just, Mm -hmm. just deal with it. You know? So like, that's just how I go about everything. I'm, I'm at this point in my life, I'm like a serial, like, um, optimist. Everything is like good for me. If I can't do anything about it, I'm like, Oh, well, why worry about it? Mm-hmm. And if it's, then I can do something about, it, I'll just go figure it out. Well, I really like your, the analogy of like running in the rain too. Um, cause where I connect with this too, is that you're never going to outrun a storm. No. Right. Like you're never going to run faster than a a thunderstorm or whatever it may be. That's exactly where I was when I envisioned it. I'm like, well, you can't go faster than the rain, but at least you're going to keep going. Yeah. You're going to keep moving. Uh, That that's, that's what, that's a wonderful visual. Yeah. And I think a lot of people, they, they stop or they turn to maybe like, being an alcoholic or they turn to substances or they turn to just being a complete asshole all the time, Mm -hmm. you know, or they're like, Hey, well, you know, this happened to me. So it gives me the right to be a miserable, you know, shit all the time. Um, and I don't care about anything anymore. And that, you know, that's, especially when you have other kids and other people around you and you have to make a living and there's so many things that you have, you know, that you could be doing, there's no reason to, to turn it negative, you know? And I've met other, I was even working with another father. Um, when my son was going through this, his son had cancer and he, his son was at another hospital and he lost his son right after, well, let's see, right after I lost mine. So he was, I was the first person that he came to at work and I didn't really know him. I just like, we knew of each other because we had families that were going through similar things. So, and he was on first shift. I was on third. So I would stop and I would like, look him out. I'm like, Hey, how's it going? What's going on? Like, tell me, I I know exactly what you're going through. Like, and he knew it. So, you know, it's, it's weird how you meet and you find these other people that are going through it. Mm -hmm. You can like help each other out, you know, and kind of give each other little tidbits of like, Hey, this is like, this is how I dealt with that portion of it you know if you need just call me yeah and and i think um and again i say this fully saying that like i've never um 
firsthand experience that. Um, but people have a general tendency when something terrible sort of happens that um, it feels like they're the only one. Mm -hmm. And so I think mm -hmm. um, finding community in those times is incredibly, um, it, it's, it's beyond value. Um, you know, <clears throat> cause you're not the, now your experience is certainly unique to you. Right. But like, mm -hmm. it's really nice, um, to be able to sort of sit with someone and know that there is some sort of mutual understanding where you don't have to explain, well, like this means this or like, you know, that sort of yeah. thing. Um, and, and that's one of the wonderful things that like, you know, um, a lot of hospitals and things, that's the reason that they have, um, support groups for caregivers yeah. and, and those sorts of things. Um, and I would really, really implore anybody who, um, might be, if they're experiencing, experiencing this right now, or even, um, if it's a recent thing or, or even, you know, if it's not recent, it's just something that you're still sort of trying to process through is sort of seeking out those, those communities. Mm. Um, you know, did you feel, did you ever go to any of the, any like other like sort of support group sort of things? If you don't mind me asking that, you can also say um, that's too personal. I mean, so we were at like, um, like Penn state Hershey children's hospital. Mm -hmm place they have a great you know like lots of parents going through similar stuff like that you know we we had other we had nurses and doctors asking us to talk to other moms and dads that were going through similar stuff and then you know i asked to talk to some of them as well like you know just because you see each other coming in and out of the hallways out of the hospital all the time you see each other in the you know in the cafeteria and you're all, you know, going through the same stuff. But you don't know each other. Yeah. That's kind of how we did it. We just kind of talked to individual families that we would see like in the ICU or in the yeah. cancer ward or, or in the same hallway or on the same floor that either somebody asked us to talk to them or we just bumped into them. We're like, hey, what are you guys sitting here for? You know, and then it's just like, well, this is what we're dealing with. Oh, well, we're dealing with this. And it's like, well you know, you just start up a casual conversation about, and then everything pours out, you know, yeah. at that point, cause you're so vulnerable yeah. at that point. It's like, thank you for somebody letting me, you know, spill my guts to you. Um, and then it feels like you have like a companion there yeah. that understands, you know, yeah. I, I can't imagine, um, as I was telling you, as uh, in kind of the, the the call before we recorded, I was a reservist, so my my military mm -hmm. career was nothing in terms of of you know eight and a half years of active duty, but I did get close to those that I serve with, and so I can only imagine the band of brothers um, that you serve with uh, in your your career. And then to be out and then to be in Pennsylvania where you said you don't have family and you're there for right for work, I think. Is that what you said? Yeah. And so mm -hmm. now you're kind of on your own island. But now maybe you're not with new Marines or, or shipmates, but you're finding your new um, 
group of people, your that support structure that you you were kind your of community. accustomed to in the Marine Corps, yeah. you're now kind of finding going through a different kind of stress and 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 hazards yeah. and everything. Is is that accurate to say? Yeah, you know, especially coming from a military background, you want to have those people that understand you know, at that point, like the stressors of military life, what you're going through or combat, you're basically going through a civilian version of personal combat, mm-hmm. you know, with health or, you know, within yourself. It is nice to have others around in that community, you know. And I mean, I, I still had um, some really good buddies of mine that that were in the Marines the same time as me. And, you know, I've got a Navy SEAL buddy back home and we talk about stuff that other people don't talk to about, about, you know, with us mm-hmm. because we have similar experiences. And then like, I have a couple really, you know, like my best friends from my, you know, back home that I've known since, you know, elementary school that really supported me during that time. And really kind of showed their, their, you know, like they waved that super friend flag that, you know, that I always knew was there. But now that it was like so solidified that I would do anything for these people, mm-hmm. even more than I would have done before, you know, just being a best friend. Yeah. Um, come to me in my time of need. So, yeah, it is, it is good to have those people around you. And then on the other side, you know, you don't want to have around you. Mm-hmm. Because it's it's either they're telling you that you're not handling it right or they're just not there unless it's convenient for them, you know? Yeah. It, it separates them. <laughs> I, I'm curious to know with, with <clears throat> how you sought out and, and got the support that you needed because you, you identified and saw that if, if you're hurting, you can't be the best dad that you want to be. You can't Mm -hmm. be the person you need to be at work or at home. How do you think, and maybe this is too hard of a, a, of a shift, but how do you think this has kind of um, shaped who you are as, as a dad and as a a coworker and friend now? I probably spoil my other two kids more than now than I, maybe more than I would have because I just see like you don't realize like and it sounds bad but you don't realize how important you know your children are until you lose one Hmm. then you're like wait a second like these days and minutes they count not just like oh well you know we'll do you know we'll hang out a little bit tomorrow and then you know and just you just kind of like biding your time with it till they get 18. Like when you're given six months for one of your children, it's like, what do you do with that? You know? So when you have the time with your children that are healthy, it's like, you got You got to put it in perspective. Like you've got unlimited time with them. Spoil them, you know, and I spoil my kids to death. I probably do more than I need to with them because it probably looks like I just spoil the shit out of them. But why not? You know, I, I don't have the time to spoil the one that I lost. So why not spoil the ones that I have? And 
I think it's just made me appreciate just everything. You know, that's why I'm like a serial optimist. I look at the, the silver lining and all the dark clouds, basically. Anytime something bad happens, I'm like, yeah, but, but this is the good part of that. But it can't be that bad. But, you know, and it, it's, it's like, wow, you're like, how, how do you get that positive? I'm like, because I've been, I've been to the darkness, you know, I'd rather be on the other side where it's light and find the good out of everything and nothing like I'll never go through something like that ever again. So I know, I know how dark it can get. So I'd rather not go to that side. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Absolutely. It definitely does. I love the term serial optimist. I feel like that needs to be the, the uh, just title of the episode. <laughs> I, I just an episode with the serial optimist. Like I, I can't get over I've, I've been nowhere. Um, I have not gone through nearly anything close to you. And I'm not even going to pretend that anything has come close to what, what you've had to, to, to go through and the pain that you felt, but to hear you say that you're a serial optimist and I've only known you through a phone call and, and recording (laughs) now, I truly feel that I, yeah, I I mean, I agree. I truly feel that. And, and the fact that you want to share this story for those, you know, and we all know people who, who've have many th- demons that they need to overcome and, and, and things that they're, they're battling on their own in their own life. But to know that you were going through what for you is the worst of the worst. And for many listening is just unthinkable, but to be like, but I need to keep dodging these raindrops and I need to keep going. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I, I have chills inside, let alone <laughs> pockets of tears being like hidden behind my eyes right now. Yeah. I mean, I do have a question for you. Yeah. My, my question is, um, you know, well, first my, my question is going to come first before there's an assumption. My assumption is um, that you're hopeful in that you're by sharing your story that like this will be helpful to someone else. Is that an, yes. a correct assumption? Okay. Yeah. And I, I think not only somebody that's going, whether, you know, it's a mom, a dad or whatever that's going through it, but like for, I think in today's world, like, you know, men need to support each other. Yeah. We don't do enough. Like, and we don't back each other up. We don't listen intently and heartfully to each other and understand and try to learn from each other. It's more just like, I don't even know what it is. You know, I don't think we have a space where we can do that. And, and for what you guys are doing, that's another reason I reached out. You know, it's like, we got to support each other as parents. Yes. But as men also, like we don't, we don't get to be vulnerable. We have to be these macho tough guys all the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I can still be macho and tough and do, you know, do cool masculine, awesome things and be a Marine, you know, and all this other stuff. But, you know, I'm all, I can also be hurt. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's nice to have other men and parents to talk to about it, you know? Yeah. So, so my question for you is, um, it won't even be specific. I'll just say that there is some, 
just if you were to pretend that someone was struggling with with something that you could identify with, whether that's mm-hmm. um, from a, a sort of military PTSD, um, mental health perspective, or the challenges um, that come with, um, you know, having a child with medical complications or potentially, um, you know, who is, um, for lack of a better term, dying. Um, yeah. If, if this person sits down in front of you, um, if you could just say like three sentences to them or more or less, if you could just yeah. say <laughs> something to them, what would it like, what would you like someone to know? Like what, what, if you could look somebody straight in the eye and I guess mm. maybe what I'm asking is, um, maybe if, if in a more perfect world, someone could have sat you down, mm. looked you square in the eye in one of those despairing moments. It, it, like I said, it could be one of those things, both of those things, like, and it may be someone did say this to you or maybe someone didn't say it, but like when you sort of reflect and, and this is a very big question to really put you on the spot for that, <laughs> I kind of apologize, yeah. but you know, okay. Um, I like it though. I'm just curious, like what do you think somebody needs to hear? What, what is something that you need to hear or needed to hear? I think the first thing that comes to my mind um, is you are tougher than you think you are. Like you might think this would break you, but it doesn't have to unless you let it break you. But if you don't let it, like you can make it through anything that you want to make it through. You just have to make that choice and you have to focus on what's important. You have to focus on yourself And, you know, because without taking care of yourself, you can't take care of anybody else. You have to take care of, you know, number one first. So you can, you know, it's kind of like that thing. You're, you're flying on a plane and the mask come down, you put it on yourself first. You you have, you can't take care of somebody if you're passed out on a plane. Right. Um, Not to make light of the, you know, the question, but. uh, No, not at all. And in the military, you put your gas mask on first before you help somebody put theirs on because you can't help them put theirs on if you're passed out or dead, yeah. you know? Um, so it's like you have to take care of yourself um, and make your circle small. You don't need the whole world to know about what you're dealing with. Mm-hmm. Social media and posting all your stuff to the world is not gonna, it's not going to solve it. Keep your circle small take care of the people in that circle. And then when you're ready and everybody is good inside that circle, then you can expand it. But if you're trying to take care of everybody in this massive circle of friends of friends of friends and cousins and, you know, whatever, you can't take care of that many people. You have to make your circle very small and take care of yourself in that small circle and then, and then figure it out after that. Listening to you talk and, and, and about 
you know, taking care of you and everyone in your tight circle made me think of a question that I always ask when I, when I meet leaders and, and leaders that, um, and I'm, I'm thinking more like professionally who I really look up to and I love what they've been able to do. I'm looking at you and I, I just respect the shit and, and we don't, we don't usually swear, but for em- emphasis, I, I you didn't tell me that I've been, that, no, no, we, we haven't hit the, we haven't hit the quota yet. Yeah. Um, we're good. Um, I appreciate the hell out of everything you've said mm-hmm. and respect the shit out of you and your outlook and how you've overcome these, these mountains. And, um, to go to a question that I even asked during a work call today to this leader that just blew my mind mm-hmm. how, how successful she is as a leader. I would love for you to share with me when you, well, with us, What's one or two things that you learned along the way or practices that really helped you ground yourself or shift your perspective in your darkest mm. time? Is there one, like a breathing technique, like something that came, I love learning from leaders what helped them stay, I don't know, stay afloat. the course, stay afloat, you know, keep their eye on the prize, find their true north. Was yeah. there one or two things that someone said that all of a sudden you're like, yeah, I'm going to start doing this? Yeah. I mean, I think when I started doing, you know, my counseling with my, you know, with the VA and stuff like that, it's like, you know, what are you doing for yourself? Mm-hmm. Like, do you do yoga? Do you do meditation? And I've met some, you know, naturopathic doctors along the way in the last few years. And it's like doing breathing, just like looking into yourself and just trying to like block out the whole world because there's so much going on right now. It's like hard to like focus just on your own brain and what's going on without all this other crazy stuff going on. And I, you know, I did some yoga and I did, I mean, I've done so many other things just to try to quieten, mm-hmm. quiet noise, basically. Um, you know, just shut, trying to shut down earlier, not wait up till 11 o'clock at night and try to sleep till six in the morning, just trying to shut down for a few hours before the evening and just, just kind of not go crazy with news and shows and movies and, and all this nut stuff, you know, or social media and just getting riled up in my brain um, and getting mad over stuff, you know, you shouldn't do or be getting mad about because it's, you know, non-consequential to life really uh, it's it's just trying to quiet quiet in the brain you know yeah. and i would it's funny i would uh i love like uh celtic viking type music just instrumental type stuff mm-hmm. i mean and and i'll admit it being a tough guy or whatever like i'll sit in a bath like a hot bath turn the lights down and just listen to something like really cool and soothing like that and just kind of like reset so that's that's kind of like just how I reset myself because if I don't, I'll, I'll I'm just like burning the candle at both ends. Yeah, and then get to the end of the week, and I'm just like I was a miserable, you know, like I said, like a miserable shit. <laughs> that's probably the well, quote. You know, I, I was but, gonna say, um, you know, you were talking about like like taking a bath and and just sort of like hitting reset. Um, and, and you, you made the comment and like, I'm not, you know, I'm not ashamed to admit it as like a tough guy, you know, take a bath. Um, yeah. there's nothing, um, macho, um, <laughs> or, um, cool about being a dick. 
Like, like I, I don't, I'm not even trying to be funny. Yeah. Like, like for whatever, for whatever reason, I think there's this misconception of this, I call it like sort of toxic masculinity, but like that, like, you know, you have to be this way or you have to carry yourself this way or do these sorts of things. But in the end, like you said, like you feel like you're burning, burning the candle at both ends and then it just makes you miserable. And there's nothing macho about being miserable. It's just miserable. Mm-hmm. right like no it's not it's not cool it's not sexy right. it's not it's not it doesn't make you better than anybody no. it makes like if you stand next to somebody who's not miserable but you think they're a little less macho than you or whatever like you're mistaken yeah uh, yeah they uh, probably understand themselves better as a person and a man than you probably do if you can't get your own shit together yes yes agree with you what what I really like, and um, we're we're kind of coming up on time. Yeah. Um, your story, first off, it's badass to be eight and a half years <laughs> in the military, enlisted, and then enlisted that went officer. Every person, including just reservists, have so much more respect for enlisted men and women who become officers. That's badass. Then the fact that you go and share with us and with those listening your darkest days and the way that you came out of that is is just absolute dadass. Yeah. Um, and, and the term that, that we use for that, trying to better yourself daily to be the best person that you can be, the best parent that you can be, um, is that. But humorously I bring this up but also because I love that you shared this and it's the final thing that you really did share is that you a marine officer a dad and everything you've gone through publicly share that you take a bath to relax unplug and listen to relaxing music is certified dad ass absolutely and I gotta just tell you the fact that you've shared one your story which how much you had to open yourself up to to share that and to share it so eloquently um i have so much respect i truly feel honored to have been able to listen to that i I don't mean that i appreciate it absolutely and then outside of that though to come out and say one of the things that you did to help ground yourself which is probably i'm going off the stereotype the least marine thing you could say, the least manliest thing you can say, the least badass thing you can say, and this is why I'm going to use a term that uh, another listener shared with us this week, certified dadass, yeah. was the fact that you publicly said on a podcast that taking a bath and listening to relaxing music was your way to center yourself. Like, I don't know, that, that inside made me tingle because that's the epitome of what I thought when I was in a closet by myself starting this podcast and then to what you coming on to the podcast and helping grow it, that is exactly what I hoped we would have in a discussion. Yeah. To, and I don't mean this as a, a discredit to like any of our previous guests or anything like that. And I 100% mean this. Our conversation this evening and some of the comments that you've made in terms of like men supporting men and everything um, – is literally what we have hoped for 
when this whole thing started to sort of spiral. Like the the whole thing from like, hey, I've been listening to this. Now I want to share this. Like, so like we truly are in, in gratitude to you um, and have nothing but absolute admiration and respect for you being honest and sharing your story and allowing a lot of people to hear um, something that doesn't get talked about, um, but still happens. Um, so I like, there's no, usually there's some funny ending or, you know, but like, <laughs> well, hopefully, hopefully right now, a lot of people in their heart of hearts are, are truly men and women, moms and dads and, and non-parents right now are looking in their heart of hearts saying, damn. Yeah. And then dot, dot, dot because of your mm-hmm. stories. So, yeah, and I hundred percent believe that this is not just applicable to to people with children, because um, really at a, at its core, we're talking about what it looks like to be a human being stretched and pulled yeah. to to right to what I can only imagine is is feels like a breaking point, and then to to find the strength to not only bounce back but to share with other people to say, hey, like you can bounce you can't, there will become a time where you might that you'll be able to talk about this. Like it's going to take intentional work. And I so appreciate that you were honest with your, Mm -hmm. you know, going to counseling and all those sorts of things. Um, so this is, um, like hopefully a lot of our conversations, this is applicable to a wide variety of Mm -hmm. audience. Um, Mm -hmm. and so even if you're someone who listens and doesn't have, have kids, um, maybe there is something in your life that's sort of making you feel that stretch. And this isn't the comparison Olympics, right? Um, there are plenty of people who have, um, plenty of other stressors and things. Um, you don't have to live with the rubber band pulley fully pulled out all the time. Mm-hmm. Right. I love that yeah. analogy. want to thank you for reaching out to us for coming on and sharing your story. Um, I have to say thank you for your service and everything that you've done for our country. Thank you for what you've mm-hmm. said or done to help those that might be listening now and struggling yeah. with whatever they might be struggling with. So, Matt, thank you very much for for coming on. Thank you for sharing with us your your cocktail of choice mm-hmm. and your evening, your 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 kid-free evening. Yeah. Yes. So he also, while we're recording, you might not be listening and we're not dropping this in the evening but this is a kid-free evening format so not only was there a lot of vulnerability and honesty there was also a free night of of just straight (laughs) freedom so thank you so very much for coming sir thank you for again another great episode thank you um to you listening wherever and however you are please follow us on on our different social media platforms drop us please if you could a five-star rating that's that's the best way that you can support an independent small uh podcast by just giving us that five-star rating on itunes also you know just like share if this episode or other episodes have you know struck you um we appreciate you just being like hey have you checked this out um, even if you don't do a five star, but absolutely. Thank you for adding that. And, um, next time or until next time, stay strong, dad ass. <laughs>